When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cleared. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Cleared. As in Tua has cleared concussion protocol. As in Greg Olson may have to clear the booth for Tom Brady. As in Kareem has to clear room for LeBron at the top of the NBA all-time scoring list. As in, I've clearly had enough of quite a few things going on in the sports world at the middle school level. Let's start at the top, work our way down. Tua, you know, the Dolphins season ends. Every week we're trying to decide is Tua cleared, is Tua not cleared. He had two concussions. Some people say he had three. NFL has these concussion protocols where you have to work your way through the protocol. It doesn't matter what the day is, month, year, season. doesn't matter where your team is. There are set protocols that all came from lawyers. Doctors will say they had a big part of it. They've got thresholds. They've got to be able to look in the eye of somebody and see one person. They've got to be able to count to 10 forwards and backwards, maybe even speak French. See if they can walk a straight line, put their finger to their nose. And I'm not making light of concussions. I'm telling you that after the concussion settlements, the NFL made it very clear that if we're going to clear Hey, there's the second clear. If we are going to clear is great. All right, Coca, quick side note. Clarity is something that we're all searching for. You go to your therapist and you say, I need some clarity as it relates to my relationship. I'm not clear as to my future. You look at your girlfriend or boyfriend or non-binary friend and say, hey, I'm not exactly clear where I stand. Are we exclusive? Are we non-exclusive? It's a clear day today. Does that mean there's no clouds? It's a sunny day. Waiting on a sunny day. So Tua is in these protocols. They set the protocols. They don't care if you are Tom Brady or Tua or if you are the last man on the last roster of the worst team in football. Same protocols. They're supposed to be. I give you a little a little wink, wink, because in the olden days, pre-settlement, there would be certain people cleared before others. It used to take a little smelling salt and a little punch on the tushy and you were right back in the game. But they're trying to make it safer so that kids will clearly be allowed to play by their parents because you can't have youth football in the toilet and you can't have parents worrying that they're going to die on the field. So Tua continues, the season ends, the Dolphins don't play him. They lose a playoff game with their whatever number quarterback it was, second string, third string, eighth string, 10th string, doesn't matter. Same as the San Francisco 49ers, you lose. Tua continues to come to the park every day. 
people say, well, did he go to Dolphin Stadium? He could go back to where he lives and go to doctors there. There are sets of doctors all over the country, all of whom can help decide when a player clears. The reason why it's so noteworthy is that the Dolphins made a decision that they were going to play Tua next year. He was their quarterback. They're not in the market. They're not in the market for Carr. They're not in the market for Mayfield. They're not in the market for Brady. They're going with Tua. So they've got to make sure he's cleared. It's like when a pitcher is cleared for spring training. That's how we report off-season injuries. Blank had minor knee surgery, and he should be cleared and ready for spring training. Or we say that Blank got a UCL or some sort of elbow surgery, and he has not yet been cleared for full participation. It's all about clearing. It's all clearing these days. So two is going to come back, and they got the doctors to say something that's awesome. What they said is the way concussions work is that once you're cleared from concussion protocols, it's as though you've never had a concussion. So if you get another concussion, they don't say, wow, you've had a bunch of concussions. They say you've had this concussion. So we're putting you in the protocols as a first concussion. When I read that, I thought I must be reading that wrong because that's like saying, oh, you had a shoulder injury. You rehab that. It's all better. You hurt your shoulder again. No, no, it's a brand new injury. But the doctor said, look at the shoulder. This is the capsule of the place where the mucus was. No, this concussion was on the back lobe side left that had to do with smell and touch. The one before was just taste and a little bit of vision. My view is I could care less which side of the brain it's on. When you're concussed, you're concussed. It shouldn't be a start over. It's not like, hey, new year, new game. We're back to zero and zero. If I am Tua... I'm going to play until they drag me off the field or until I get a guaranteed contract of significant amount. If I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm going to play Tua until I have to pay him. If you're the NFL, you better be damn worried about Tua. Because if he goes in preseason, maybe he won't even play preseason, regular season, which starts September 10th, it actually starts earlier than that. It starts Thursday. The seventh is there's a game. But whenever the Dolphins play week one, and let's just pretend he gets concussed, you're telling me the NFL does not need to look at its protocols and say, wow, he may be susceptible to concussions. New helmet or not, that will do it for Tua. So don't pay attention to what you read that he's starting over. Don't pay attention that he's cleared concussion protocols. There is a higher risk for Tua than there is for another player who's never had a concussion. Now, the doctors will tell you because they want to tell you, hey, there's no difference. It's like when you break your left leg, you are not more likely to break your left leg. Well, I'll tell you this, when a pitcher has an elbow issue, there's a great likelihood of him getting a knee issue. There's a mechanics change. Well, in football, there's no mechanics change, they'll say. You're just up there. You're reading the defense. You're seeing what you're supposed to do. You take the snap. You're ready to roll, and you hope you don't get hit because your right tackle in Tua's case, is your blind side, and he's doing great. I'm not buying it. There's something about what happens with Tua. There are players who get hit like that, who have the same type of falls that Tua's had, and don't get concussions. Medically proven or not, susceptibility to concussions to me is clear, and Tua is not. As far as Tom Brady goes... Everyone's still reeling. Everyone was jumping all over each other. Did you see yesterday? It happened live on Nothing Personal yesterday. Coca yelled in my ear, Tom Brady retired. This time it's for good. I felt like breaking out into song. 
ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. So Tom Brady does his, he's call, he claims he called, this is funny. He called the Tampa Bay Bucks at 6 a.m. Who the hell answered the phone? What are you expecting a 6 a.m. call from Tom Brady on a random February 1st, Wednesday? Hey, I'm retiring. Who is this? People don't put their phone on vibrate anymore. Does he have a special bat phone? Hi, just be ready. I may call at any time. 24 hours a day, you got to be ready because I may call to say you're screwed. Get the statements ready. Give me a break. So Tom does his thing and everyone's jumping all over each other to do these odes to Tom. Is he the goat? Somebody, some people say, oh, it could be Manning. But Tom has seven Super Bowls, so that's good. He's a winning team, but only three MVPs, and Manning had five MVPs. Who cares? Show me a winner. Tom's a winner. People may have forgotten that Tom Brady has a $350-plus contract to go with Fox. He clearly had an exit strategy for the end of his football career. Did he know where he'd be from a personal standpoint? Did he know where he'd be from a physical standpoint? No idea, don't care. What I do know is that's not called a soft landing. A soft landing is when you're doing something and you figure out there's something else you can do after you're done doing the thing you're doing, just in case you have to do it. You wanna have a soft landing where you don't have any periods of anxiety. Soft landings are normally reserved for people who need to go from place to place. So for example, if Nothing Personal has four different platforms trying to get it from CBS, I would say there's a soft landing for me and maybe Coca. Tom Brady does not have a soft landing at Fox. That's a hard landing. A hard landing means that he signed a contract where he has to be, in theory, the number one analyst. I was going to say the number one color man. Has that word gone the way of Indian style for how you sit in a circle? Do people still say that, Coca? Or do they just say analyst? The play-by-play -play person, I guess he used to be play-by-play -play man, and the color analyst. I wonder what they're called now. In any case, there's someone who Fox has as the number one analyst, and his name is Greg Olson. Greg Olson, former player in the NFL. I want to say he was a tight end for the Panthers, and I don't know why I want to say that because he could have played defense. I can't remember right now, but it doesn't matter. My point is that he took the number one when Troy Aikman left to go to ESPN, and he has been spectacular. There has not been one review in any newspaper anywhere that has impugned his ability to be a lead analyst. Greg Olson has made it very difficult on Fox to replace him with Tom Brady because he's that good and he's building a following. But guess what? He's going to have to clear the way. Tom Brady is not going to be on the number two team. You know how they give, there's lists of play-by-play of -play people and analysts and you're on the number one team. You're on the number two team. You're on the number three team. You get the Dolphins. And so Greg Olson is going to call the Super Bowl and then he's done. Now, what is the scenario in which he wouldn't have to clear the booth? There's only one. It's Tom Brady saying to Fox, thank you. I'm not ready yet to start my Fox deal. Well, he's not getting paid in football. He still has endorsements and all of his other money and all his outside off the field businesses that he started. But when you have a chance to make 35 to $37 million a year, you're not gonna say, hey, I'm gonna take a year vacation. No, you're gonna start it now. And he'll go from age 46 to age 56 and then sign another extension if he likes it. If he doesn't like it, he'll figure out a way to get out of it. 
maybe cut the pay by a little bit, but still be an employee of Fox. Maybe Rupert's going to have Tom figure out how to get the rights to the World Cup going forward. That would be good. He'd be the ambassador. He'd go to FIFA and say, hey, Infantino, I have an idea. Give me the rights. <laughs> what do you think? He's going to do like meet and greets. He's going to go to games and they're going to say, Tom, you know that you're an ambassador to us. Please come to our shareholder meetings and sign some mini helmets. It's like a joke. Greg Olson losing his job. I'm not going to tell you it's unfair because that's the way of the world. People will tune in to see Tom Brady the first time. And then if he stinks, they'll turn the volume off. People do not watch games or not watch games in the NFL because of who the analysts are. Now, you can say that Tony Romo is overpaid. You can say he's underpaid. You can say he changed the pay scale. You can say he's gotten worse. He's gotten better. Whatever your view of Tony Romo is and the fact that he got $17 million from CBS, the company where I currently am, say whatever you want. Doesn't matter. The fact is, he's not going anywhere because the audience isn't going anywhere. You're not going to stop watching AFC games just like you're not going to start watching NFC games because of Tom. Clearly. Speaking of clearly, what do you think Kareem does? You know, when you're the outgoing president or you're selling the team and you know you're about to get fired or you're elected to an office, you know your term's coming to an end, you're on a board and you've termed out, it's called, or you're walking the halls of high school your senior year knowing that it's the last day of classes, and that the place where you presided over, that's a time in your life that's going to be gone and there's nothing you can do. There is no Eddie money here. You can never go back. One, eight, 69. There is Eddie money here. You can never go back. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar since 1984 has held the title of the all-time NBA scoring champion and he's loved holding that title. It was a record that I assumed would never be broken. It did not occur to me that someone would play in the league for 20 years and be able to score at the rate that LeBron James continues to score. It didn't occur to me that the offensive rules would change to the point where offense would be so much easier and that LeBron would stay healthy, stay productive, and stay as one of the top 10 players in the league at the age of 38 years old. But here we are. LeBron James is about to break Kareem's record. And Kareem is none too happy. Kareem and LeBron have had their moments. They've gone back and forth. Kareem is an activist. He is a author. He is incredibly um, on the forefront, I would say, of all sorts of, of racial issues, gender issues, equality issues. He is outspoken. He is brilliant. He is a poet. He is a musician. He has been an ambassador to National Basketball Association for decades. And here we are 39 years later, and he's going to have to go to Los Angeles and watch LeBron James break the record and smile the way Roger Maris's family did when Mark McGuire broke the record. And you say I'm Mark McGuire because Mark McGuire did break the record. First, what Aaron Judge did this past year was break the Yankees record. The Maris family wasn't watching Aaron Judge because he was breaking the baseball record for home runs. It was watching because he was breaking the Yankee record. The record was already broken, whether you care about steroids or not. The record's the record. So LeBron's going to have to follow, is Kareem's going to have to follow LeBron around 
They're playing at Indiana. They're playing at New Orleans. He's 89 points away. Let's say he's scoring 25 points a game. That means sometime in the fourth game, which would be a home game against the Milwaukee Bucks. If I'm running the Los Angeles Lakers, I am trying to arrange it as best as possible with load management, et cetera, that he breaks this record at home. There will be a stoppage of game. I'm not even going to give it a wait to see because it's way too easy to win. Can I do an official wait to see that in whatever game he breaks the record, the game will stop. He will get the ball. He will get hugs from both sides. There'll be an ovation. Kareem will be there. They're going to embrace while crossing their fingers and toes. The commissioner will be there. This is a big deal. Breaking a record like this. Very big. So now, I guess we could be doing this for 20 years, couldn't we, Coca? I think the best chance for someone to break LeBron's record is Victor Wembayama. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. LeBron's record's never going to be broken. It's so stupid to say never. There are certain records that you say will never be broken. I used to, I used to think Will Chamberlain's 100-point record when he scored 100 in the game, that'll never be broken. Then Kobe got 81, and I felt like, all right, someone could get 100 somehow. Then we went to the record for career home runs. No one's going to break that. All right, we got steroids. Someone's going to break that. I got a record that will never be broken. The 500 victories by Cy Young, 511, I think it is, off the top of my head, which could be wrong. Don't correct me, at David P. Sampson. But there's some number of wins Pitchers don't get wins. It's very hard to get wins. No one's going to get 500 wins. It'll never be broken. Ever. So while you should never say never, there are certain times that I will say that in sports. And LeBron's scoring record, the number of points he has, who's going to break that? LeBron is averaging over 30 points a game this year. He's 38. Kareem never averaged over 23. And that was the most for someone LeBron's age. That's seven more points a game. That's 560 more points a year. We're talking about a record of over 38,000 points. You think it's going to happen? Do you know what I wish I had, Coca? The exact number of Kareem's record in my head. And I wish that I'd written that down somewhere or that you were whispering it in my ear. I cannot for the life of me. Is it that LeBron's 38 or is it that the points record is 38-979? It is 38. 38-378. That's a total coincidence. You know, when you read enough things enough times, it sort of gets from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. But when you take an exam at school, everything you learn for the exam is not right. Oh, by the way, and this one may not be right. So it is 38-387 or it's not? This is live. We're live to tape. We'll get you the number. Whatever the number is, it's never going to be broken. Have a good trip, Kareem. Get ready to clear some space off your mantle. All right. The last thing that I've word of the day for clear. Did you see what happened yesterday in Vermont? I'm going to say this one final time on nothing personal as our audience gets bigger and there are more and more parents listening. When you go to a game where your kids are playing, shut up. Stop yelling at referees. Stop fighting with other parents. Stop making your kid nervous by looking at every swing that your kid has or every time he shoots the ball. Good job, Johnny. Terrible shot. 
Hurry up. Go get the ball. Get the pass. Score a goal. Do something. Sit down and shut up. You're ruining it. These kids are not going to be professionals. Stop with the seven-day-a-week coaches spending your extra hard-earned money thinking that your players, that your kids are going to do something that you could never do. The number of people who are professional athletes are the same who are actors actually making money, artists actually making money. In Vermont, there was a fight, spectators at a middle school game, and a guy died in a brawl. I don't care anything about the result of a middle school basketball game. Frankly, I don't care anything about the result of a major sports game. NBA, NHL, but there's money involved. So you can say, that's worth dying for. Charge the court. Some guy gave me a bad beat. That's what we use in gambling. A bad beat is when there's a shot at the end of the game that's meaningless that goes in that either makes you cover or not cover the spread or makes the game go over or not go over. Sometimes players decide to shoot it. Sometimes they don't. By the way, every player knows the line of every game they play in. Bad beat. It's a terrible word. Because there's real beatings going on. What is it about you that when you go to a game, and yes, I'm saying you because it's everywhere. I watched it with my kids' little league. Parents are insane. First of all, they're not scouts. If you're not a scout for a living, what makes you think that you can tell whether your kid is good? That would be like me walking into an operating room and saying, hey, that's the wrong instrument you just called for. Get the hell out of here. Go eat some junior mints. Fighting because you didn't get the right call. Fighting because your team's losing. What's it going to take? We did a segment about what happened in soccer, and I got a lot of negative attention because you thought that I was being too strict. You said that you can't penalize a child for the behavior of his parents when I wanted to penalize Renya for the actions of his parents who were trying to take down Burhalter. That's an episode from, I don't know, six months ago or whatever. And you all said, that's ridiculous. He's such a good player. How could you have him not on the men's World Cup team? And I said, because you've got to find a way to change people's behavior. If it is not a deterrent, if no deterrent exists, that will not change the underlying behavior. What's the deterrent? Prison, when you have a fight in the stands, an arrest, death, is that a big enough deterrent? So here's what you do. Those kids whose parents cannot behave at middle school games, at high school games, at college games, or at pro games, those kids are immediately removed from the team. Those kids' ability to earn their living or to put on their transcript that they played high school or varsity or middle school gets removed. No exceptions. I don't care if it's the number one player in the country. I don't care if it's the number one player in Major League Baseball. Now you're going to say the union's going to get involved. I'm still going to pay the player. Not allowed to play. If the father of a professional player gets into a brawl in the stands... We make it so that can't happen. We have security around. We have family sections. We make sure that people aren't being bothered. It just happened with Acuna, whose family got bothered during a winter ball game in Venezuela, and it upset Acuna greatly. 
here in the United States, we cannot possibly allow it. Do you know the number of college athletes who go pro? College athletes are damn good. Hey, your son played college or people go to a meeting. Yeah, I played college football, played college basketball. You're like, wow, you must be damn good. Do you know the percentage of college athletes that play professional sports? Just if you had a guess, 2%. Do you know how many more high school athletes there are than college athletes? Guess who wasn't a college athlete? This guy. Guess who wasn't a high school athlete? I mean, I played freshman baseball. That was pretty good. Ran track. Yeah, no, I did not get the ability to run track at school in college. So I must be part of the 99.9% of high school athletes that are not going to turn pro. Now take it down to middle school. Now sit down in the stands and smile because Johnny and Jackie are having fun playing a game. There is a guy dead in Vermont. Am I being clear enough? Let's talk about Matt Rule. Matt Rule's great. I think he got me a wait to see when he signed that big deal with David Tepper. Do you remember that long-term deal? And we said he would never make it through his deal and he's going to get fired. I think we have that with Dan Campbell too. And I may be a little nervous on that with the Detroit Lions. Matt Rule gets fired by David Tepper, who just hired Frank Reich. Going to change the old boys network. Listen to yesterday's show if you haven't. Well, yesterday, Matt Rule word got out. So I don't know whether it was filed yesterday has filed a lawsuit. Really, it's called filing an arbitration because these things get arbitrated in the NFL where he's saying, dear David, I'm sorry that you fired me, but you owe me five million dollars. And David said, I'm breaking up the old boys network. And I can tell you that you got a new job in Nebraska and you got a long term deal in Nebraska. I'm not paying you that five million dollars. You had a duty to mitigate. Let's talk about what a duty to mitigate is. Mitigation is when you have one job, you get fired and you had a guaranteed contract. And it says in the contract, it's a provision that literally says duty to mitigate. When you are fired from a job where you're making $100,000 a year and you have a duty to mitigate, you have to go out and find another job. You can't just sit there and collect the $100,000. But if you can only find a job that pays you $20,000, then the company that fired you has to make up the difference and give you $80,000. So at the end of the day, you have your $100,000. You're not working for the place you used to work. You're working for the new place, but your bank account is at the same place. If you're at 100, you get a job at 120, the team that owed you the 100 owes you nothing because you're now making more than you were making. You fully mitigated and you've done better. Way to go. If you're at 100, you get fired and you only make 30. That team has to put on its books 70 to pay you to get you to 100. 30 from your current job, 70 from your old job. Easy. In Major League Baseball, we have duties to mitigate when you get fired. But it's only within Major League Baseball. If you do not get a job in Major League Baseball then you can do something called double dipping. Double dipping is when you get fired as a scout in baseball and you're making 70 grand a year under contract. And then you get a job as a first base coach at a, a college, let's say FSU, and you're getting paid 50 grand. You get 70 from your team and 50 from your college team, your current job. And all of a sudden you're making a buck 20, which is why there's so many people in baseball who are, arranging offers 
so they can go back to their team. This happened to me every year, multiple times. The GM would walk in my office. Side note here, Coca. I would wait for it. I'd be sitting in my office and it's right around August, September is when we do this. That's when you're setting up your next year's scouts and player development. Excuse me. Hi, I'm David. I'm back and better than ever. So I'd sit in my office and I would wait and wait and wait. And always in comes Larry or Mike or the GM and says, here's the list. I said, give it to me, baby. And it's the list of the people who want more money than they were offered. And their way to get it is by telling us that they've got offers to leave. And what they do, and I am not in any way MFing employees in baseball. I love the leverage you're doing. I get it. I do the same thing. What they do is they call their friends at other teams or they call their friends at other programs outside of baseball and they say, hey, how would you feel about making me an offer just so I can make more money with my current team? But don't worry, I'm staying with my current team. But you get to go in to the president's office and say, hey, Johnny's got an offer for 90 grand. We're only have allocated to pay him 70 grand. We don't want to lose him. Let's split the difference. Give him 80. And I think I can get him to stay. Meanwhile, when you go to him and say, hey, we'll raise you from 70 to 80. He smiles and says, I just made an extra 10 grand because the 90 was all made up. That happens. That really happens. In football, your duty to mitigate extends to college. So when Matt Rule signed with Nebraska, Whatever he's being paid by Nebraska does not have to be paid by David Tepper. But here's the rub. And here's what you do if you're Matt Rule. You say, listen, here's what I want you to do, Nebraska. I've got five years left on my deal with Carolina. You're giving me an eight-year deal. Pay me very little the first five years. Pay me a lot the last three years. Backload it. I'm going to go to Carolina and say, hey, I'm only getting paid $5 million by Nebraska I'm supposed to be getting paid 10 million by you. You owe me 5 million. That makes sense. That's the math that I told you. But then year six, when he's no longer getting paid by the Carolina Panthers, all of a sudden he's getting paid $20 million by Nebraska. So David Tepper looked at the contract and said, well, that's not fair. They backloaded a contract for the sole purpose of screwing me and making me have to pay so he could double dip. I think the contract should be more of a straight line. If he's getting $100 million over 10 years, then it should be $10 million a year, not $5 million for the first five years and then $75 million over the last five years. That is not fair. That is what is being arbitrated. This is a fascinating case because these deals don't happen by accident. When you have an agent and their job is to get you the most money they can, why? Because they get a percentage of it. Double dipping becomes a real source of revenue for an agent and for an employee. Nebraska is more than happy to backload it. It's not like they're in the Premier League or anything. They are more than happy to backload it. And they're more than happy to give more money to their coach because a happy coach is a paid coach. And to the extent that you can have non-boosters doing it, outstanding. Well, David Tepper's had enough. We're talking about a guy, 
very wealthy man who got wealthy because he doesn't take too kindly to getting screwed by anyone other than Mrs. Tepper. So he is saying, we're not paying. We are going to pretend you made are making with Nebraska as much, if not more, as you were making with the Panthers. Therefore, we don't owe you anything. Roger Goodell is going to have to figure out what to do about this because this is not going to the Supreme Court. This is going to the court of Roger. And here's what he's going to do. Wait for it. He's going to take 10 steps. He's going to drop the ball on his foot and punt it. He does not want to get involved in this issue. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. When it happens, I'll let you know. When it doesn't happen, I'll let you know. But here's what I think is going to happen. Wait to see. The Panthers and Rule are going to settle. And they're going to settle before a hearing. The NFL does not want to be clear on this issue. They don't want to see this call back to the end of the show. They don't want to clarify their mitigation rules. Rule wants the money that he thinks is owed to him. He thinks the offset is less than what Tepper thinks. That's the whole suit. I get it. It's brilliant. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to review a show that made me quite emotional. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Was that a late break, Coca? I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I think we only have 13 minutes left. My name is David Sampson. Thank you so much for rating, reviewing, for listening to the whole show, for watching the whole show. We're at Nothing Personal with David Sampson on YouTube. Please, please just hit subscribe and send it to people and tell them to hit subscribe. 
I don't want to sound desperate or anything, but let's go. There's no reason that these channels have 100,000 subscribers or more, and we can't even get to 12 when there's a giveaway at 12. I guess we need to do something that would become viral, right? Like a viral video. Wouldn't it be great if you could just do something viral? Is that going to be viral? If I just stand here, lose my mind? What about the blazer? Maybe the blazer will go viral. I just found this. It used to be in my rotation. If you're on YouTube, if you want to know what I'm wearing, go to YouTube, hit subscribe, and you can see it. I found this next to my survivor outfit, my survivor blazer. I have no idea. It was in a different closet. It was not in my blazer rotation for the show. And I said, of course, this needs to be in the rotation. So it's back. So I watched a movie because I felt uh, I was getting emotional about COVID, the end of COVID, about the way COVID was. There's a book written. Jeffrey Laurie, the former owner of the Marlins, the man I worked with for 18 years, wrote a book along with uh, um, Julie Laurie. And the book is called Silent Cities. You may want to check this book out. You may have forgotten what it was like during COVID when Times Square was empty, when the Champs-Élysées in Paris was empty, when the streets of Tokyo were empty, the Rapungi district, there was no Rapungi going on. It was a very bizarre time. And while it seems like a long time ago, it's not. And this book goes through all the pictures and they, he got people to take pictures all over the world. Jeffrey did. One place that was empty was Broadway. And I'm a big Broadway fan. As you know, I love movies and I love Broadway. There's a documentary called Broadway Rising. And it is the story of how COVID shut down Broadway. Broadway doesn't shut down. It's like in the social network with Jesse Eisenberg. The thing about Facebook is we never shut down. Our servers never go down. That's the thing about Broadway. Very, very few times in my lifetime. I think after 9-11, they may have shut down for a day or two. For COVID, they were shut down for months. And this story is a documentary about what happens to the ushers at Broadway theaters. All the people who got impacted by COVID, who we didn't think about as owners of teams or presidents of teams, you're not thinking about the person who flips the hot dogs or the person who drives the buns, the person who makes the buns that then drives the buns to the ballpark that gets put around the hot dogs. You're not thinking about any of those people. You're thinking about the players, you're thinking about yourself and your team and your employees. Everybody says they think about game day employees and we feel for the game day employees. Remember that at COVID, everyone said, we are setting aside money for game day employees. We're going to take care of game day employees. I wonder how the follow-up went on that. There's a lot of game day employees on Broadway. A lot. There's a lot of actors, background actors, understudies, dancers who are in the company. And you just don't realize that if they're not dancing, they're not working and they're not getting paid. And it's a story of what some of these actors did, what some of these ushers went through, writers, producers, and there were cameras following it the whole time. And then Broadway rose again. And I, I melted. If you don't like Broadway, you're still going to love this documentary because you're going to apply it to how you feel about what you went through during lockdown. No matter your politics, lockdown was hard on us. And I don't think kids have recovered. I don't think adults have recovered. I don't think the economy has recovered. The ramifications of the pandemic will be felt for decades. That's how serious it was, what we just all lived through. Broadway rising. All right. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had our first push of the year. Speaking of bad beats, 
is a push a bad beat or when I do the show in the morning and I say jazz minus three versus Raptors and then you don't place the bet till last night and then you get jazz minus two and a half and then the jazz win by three, you're a winner and I'm a pusher. Poker doesn't let me tell you that I can take the two and a half and take the win. He makes me take the push. So there you have it. We're still 15 and 18. Last second hoop by the Raptors made it a three-point game. Give me a break. All right, we got a big game today. We have Knicks versus Heat. Uh, the Heats are favored by one and a half points. And this is a game at the Garden. I would like to point out, if you don't mind, that uh, the Knicks Heat, for me, was the second best rivalry behind the Knicks Bulls with my time as a huge, huge Knicks fan. Some unbelievable games between the Knicks and the Heat, the Jeff Gun Jeff Van Gundy pulling on Alonzo Mourning's tail, the fights, the craziness, the suspensions, the Allen Houston shot in May of 1999, if you know, you know, in a game seven, a runner. It's a great rivalry. And Knicks like playing the Heat at the Garden. I'm taking the Knicks plus one and a half versus the Heat. Yesterday, when Tom Brady retired, that was supposed to be the big news of the football day. What they do is there's now two weeks between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. This weekend is the Pro Bowl. I'm going to I may put it in the show tomorrow because I'm less than happy. I think we did a segment recently about all star games and Pro Bowls and how ridiculous the flag football game is this weekend and the skills competition. It's not a Pro Bowl game. It's a nothing. Who cares? It's programming in between trying to keep your attention. And maybe tonight there's the football honors, whatever. What you're trying to do as commissioner of football is you're trying to have no bad news. You say to your team security agents, you say to your team owners, for the teams in the Super Bowl, do me a favor. Can we limit the number of arrests at the Super Bowl? Can we keep track of what the players are doing? Can we make sure we have drivers for everybody? Can we make sure there's security in the lobby? We don't want any bad news. It's supposed to be a positivity. This is the coronation of the Super Bowl champion. It's either going to be the Chiefs or the Eagles. Bring, bring, bring. Phone rings. Who had the horrible misfortune of calling Roger with this news? Yesterday, Josh Sills got indicted. And you'd say, who's Josh Sills? And I'll say, Josh Sills is a player on the Philadelphia Eagles. The same Eagles who are in the Super Bowl. Josh Sills got indicted yesterday. And I don't mean indicted for something good. He got indicted on account of rape and kidnapping. These are first degree felonies, folks. This is not something where you have your lawyer walk in and say, all right, Here's 250 bucks. Take the points off my license. These are first degree felonies, as in prison, not jail, prison. He apparently engaged in some sort of sexual activity that was non-consensual, held a victim against her will. That's the kidnapping part. And this happened in December of 19. Now that Jeffrey Lurie, not Jeffrey Lurie, Jeffrey Lurie, who is the owner of the Eagles. Would he have known about this? Did Roger Goodell know about this? Here's the thing about grand juries. They're silent. They're confidential. It's sort of like when a player tests positive for steroids. You don't know. 
until it's too late. And people don't leak that stuff. People don't leak from the grand jury. This is a guy who is a backup player. He played, what did he play, four snaps all season. The commissioner, upon finding out that this player, who's an active member of the National Football League, immediately went on the commissioner's exempt list. Immediately. No due process. No investigation. Immediate. It's sort of like when Trevor Bauer was put on the administrative leave, except he never even got indicted. No charges were even pressed against him. And he got 194-game suspension after being suspended two years and going to a hearing and having it brought down to 194. This is an indictment. What that means is charges are filed. What do you do if you're the NFL? You used to be able to throw it out with the trash. Throwing it out with the trash is when you'd, on a Friday dump, news dump, it's called, you'd do a bunch of things, you'd release a bunch of press releases. That's what we would always do back before the internet was huge and back before there were 24-hour news cycles. We would hold stories till after papers went to print and then we'd hold the worst of the worst all the way to the end of the week. And then we'd do a bunch of releases of stuff that we'd have to get out and that'd be the end of it. There is no such thing as throwing out the trash when you are the National Football League during Super Bowl week. The reason this got so much attention is that it was a player on one of the Super Bowl teams and there's nothing Roger could do. So we had to act quickly. Absolutely the right call for him to do it. And the reason why it was the right call is what do you do when you have a player who is involved in this sort of activity? So my query is this. Does he do the same thing if it were Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? Does he speak to the grand jury? Can't speak to the grand jury. Does he speak to the attorneys, the U.S. attorneys? Does he speak to the district attorneys and say, can you hold it? Can you not announce it till after the Super Bowl? Or do you let one of your star players get indicted during Super Bowl week, put them on the exempt list, and they don't play again? Luckily, Roger didn't have to make that decision. But this is no small issue in the offices of the National Football League. They're going to pretend it's small because they put him on this list and they're not going to talk about it again. There will be immediately a conversation between people in Roger's office, not Roger, people with Philadelphia and people with Kansas City. Because when Super Bowl media day comes, the number of questions and answers regarding Josh Sills will be zero. Mark my words. This story will get buried with reckless indifference toward the victim, reckless indifference toward the families of the victim. Doesn't matter. We're not talking about it. Bury it. Throw it out with the trash. The trash that got thrown out in this case is Josh Sills. When it comes to the Super Bowl, there is one thing above all that guides Roger Goodell's decisions. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 